Welcome to the Funny Style Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Robinson. Today we have... Kevin Dean. Ash Cash. Anthony Papali. So this is actually a, a weird episode <laughs> because this is the act- actually the first time that we've left a mic and done an episode like right after. So this is the... We just did... Everyone here just did the moon room. Well, Ash Cash did not do the moon room, but she was there at the moon room with yeah. us. I was supporting. Yeah, I was supportive. So how'd you guys how'd you guys feel about your sets? Yeah, it was alright. I did alright in the beginning, you know. You did with some good crowd work, and that was about it. Yeah. I hate when someone gets like real humble right before me because I want to be like, Yeah, no, I had a great time. But then he was like, It was alright. So yeah, it wasn't okay. I did I did okay. You did okay. <laughs> no, it was it was fun. Yeah, you I killed had, it. You, you crushed, it. bro. Yeah, I know, I did. <laughs> but it's it's weird because I have like the that's the now I'm not going to be humble. <laughs> Cause like, no, no, no. I also did very well. Yeah. <laughs> both, you both, were, both did really well. Like the, I, I've kind of got the moon room dialed in. You know what I mean? It's one of those, you know, like when a room is like your home room. Yeah. You just kind of know what works in that room and you've done it so many times. You feel comfortable there. Yeah. So I, I just feel very comfortable getting up on the moon room and changing the energy in the room. But yeah. What are you about, you about to say something? Yeah, no, no. I was just—I just love how you handle the whites. You're—it's uh, <laughs> a—it's truly a—it's uh, truly a master. To watch. <laughs> so I was gonna ask so a, a couple of things because so Ashcash has been here before uh, multiple times, but we have Kevin and Anthony that are the first times here. So really quickly, Kevin, I want to ask you, how long have you been doing stand up? Uh, so I'd like to give you a simple answer, um, but I it's weird because I started in 2016 and mm-hmm. I did stand up for a year, open mic style. Mm-hmm. Uh, got booked on a couple of good shows and then invited all of my friends and family to a show and bombed in front of them. Okay, <laughs> and didn't touch a mic for two years. After really? That. Yeah. Uh, they were like, we'll give you $10 per ticket for every ticket you sell. And I sold 25 tickets. Oh, wow. And so the you... room filled like 30 people. So it was, like, it it was, was just, all your family and friends. It was a room full of people who came to see Kevin. And I had been talking on Facebook like, I've been killing it in comedy. I'm working on my, my material. I didn't even have five minutes yet. And they were like, oh, well, you sold the most tickets. So we're going to have you host the show. Yeah, and I had never hosted a show. Mm. Did it for Jeez. like uh, Genesis and Sean Philippe. It was like his oh, first year. So yeah, so it was like. But he was also like a phenomenon. Like when he yeah. first started, he was good. Mm-hmm. Um, Gina, she was like, really funny comic, right at the time. And I just ate a dick in front of, everyone. and I was the first person up too. And yeah. I had to keep bringing funny people back up <laughs> afterwards. So, so there yeah. was a big contrast every time <laughs> every you got time. off stage. <laughs> and I had months to prepare for. I think it was like two months before the show, and I never practiced. I never wrote any jokes, and I just winged it every single time I went to open mic. I did a different set, no material. Really? So yeah, I bombed in front of my mom, my coworkers. <laughs> Uh, uh, old girlfriend. It was. It was just a sad. <laughs> it was state the worst. Of and then, then your friends were coming and gave you pity laughs. They were just watching. Uh, there was. Watching you know when your comedy is so bad that they don't even know where to laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't know where the pity goes. <laughs> like you think, all right, well, we're gonna laugh and support them no matter what. But I'm just like ranting. I'm just yeah. rambling and ranting, and it's nervous. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I didn't do comedy for like two years, and I just kept telling people, I, oh, I work in corporate. That's why I, I can't do comedy. I work yeah. in corporate. <laughs> uh, and then like right before the pandemic, 2019 is when I started again. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's that's an interesting time to get back in yeah. also. So you've, you, so you talked about it on stage, but over the last 
what, like three weeks? About a month. You've had like an explosion Mm -hmm. on social media, which I, I will say from the outside looking in, I really like what you do because, and I, I actually, it, it only, the people who, who it actually works for, like where it works for real, it's only the people who figure out a niche of their own. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you have done, like you haven't done the hack thing where you're just copying what you've seen other people do. Yeah. You figured out a thing that's, I mean... I guess what you've done has been done elsewhere, but you're the only yeah, person. You're, you're kind of hacky, bro. You're, you're <laughs> kind of a cop guy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not so original. There's nothing new under the sun. Yeah, but I mean, you're the only person I've seen do it in Central Florida. Yeah, and gotten to where it's like, cause, so also describe what you've been doing actually, because I don't know if people know. Cool. Yeah. So I've been uh, doing dating in Central Florida videos. Uh, I've been doing content for like two and a half years and it would piss me off because my friends were are like clout chasers. They're like, yo, bro, you just need to go into Dunkin Donuts and slap somebody. That'll get you thousands of views. dog." <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I like I take comedy seriously. I want to do something that I feel is original and authentic and organic. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, nah, all you need to do is just go up and prank bitches. People don't understand. People don't get it. So it frustrate me. But I just kept on trying to throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what stuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had another series that did pretty well on the Internet. And I was just making fun of the show Arthur. The okay, se- yeah, yeah. segment now words from, now a word from us kids. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, this is gonna be my niche. I I, I love Arthur. I love PBS. I could talk pop culture all day. Yeah. Uh, and then one of the videos didn't do well, and I was just like, fuck this. Nobody cares about me. <laughs> I like how <laughs> I, I like so how Kevin has the follow through of like a four year old, where he's yeah. like, you know what? This has been working. This one didn't, so I'm just done. <laughs> Bro, I'm so spoiled in my real life. If anything doesn't go exactly perfect in my life at any give a day i could have depression and anxiety like, like I, I am i'm not clinically depressed i do not have anxiety i'm one of the happiest people that anybody will ever meet but it's only because my life just works so seamlessly yeah. all the time if any if there was any hitch in the road it's a wrap for me i'm i'm a i'm a suicidal patient so. i feel like you have like a a dunkin donut slap video hidden on your phone yeah. like a cyanide pill just in case the so i did my, my last my last response. The views are dropping. I better <laughs> pull out a quick slap video. Yeah. <laughs> Just ready to go. <laughs> Yeah, so I uh, I did uh, the dating videos in Central Florida, and one of them just took off, and it, it did decent numbers. And I was like, oh, I'll make a part two. Mm-hmm. Can you hear? Me? Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, I'll make a part two, and um, and then that one started taking off, and it was going simultaneously on TikTok and Instagram, which never yeah. happens on my videos, mm-hmm. one or the other, uh, and. Uh, and like 16 videos later, it was like 20,000 new followers, oh, wow. uh, 18,000 followers on TikTok. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, snap, this is working. Uh, and it's because it's something I actually know about. Like, I, yeah. I know Central Florida and, I, and I, I'm a hoe. Been dating. <laughs> yeah. I'm a hoe-ass ho nigga. So. so I think. So can one I, of the can things, I say hoe-ass nigga? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, you say you you're, you're one of us, so you can say it. You get to say it. Like, you're not. <laughs> If you're just listening, I am black. I yeah, just want to make, black. Sure. <laughs> make sure. Um, so we, so one of the things that I think is cool about it because I think we're all trying to figure out. Um, all of us as comics are trying to figure out how to grow kind of organically and do things that actually work. Um, so one of the things that we do with this podcast is we try to talk to comics that have a thing that's working, and then try and kind of share. Okay, how can somebody else apply it? Mm. And what I think is cool about what you're doing. 
one of the things that I've noticed is the clips of people doing stand up, right? They get a lot of views, but the conversion from views to actual followers, I mean, there's so many comics with videos of them doing stand up with millions of yeah, views. Yeah. And they have 5,000 followers. Yeah, next to none. They'll get a couple of hundred uh, or maybe like t uh, 10 or 20 from the video, depending on how well it does. But mm -hmm. it, it, like you said, the conversion rate just isn't there. Yeah. I don't. I think that uh, there's such a wide uh, amount of stand-up comics mm -hmm. that audience members don't feel like it's a deserving of a follow. Yeah. Like comics are a dime a dozen. I'm mm -hmm. not going to just follow somebody from stand up because yeah. it's not something I'm going to want to watch on my fa on my page all the and time. And dating in Central Florida is something that if you live in Central Florida, that's that, that I'm going to follow this guy because I'm going to see him continue to talk about Central Florida. I think there was a couple of different opportunities to gain followers. One, people are like I want to see what other cities he's going to talk about, so I'm mm -hmm. going to follow him for future videos. Mm -hmm. Two, he's talking about places that I've been to. So this he, people are like hitting me up, like I need suggestions for a date. Like where can I take really? people? Yeah, or, or or I've had people message me like, what do you think of this place? Is this good for uh, a first date? Mm -hmm. So I think people are kind of following it like as a how-to. Mm -hmm. uh, and then third, I think people want to support, especially locally. They mm -hmm. feel they feel like connected because they're like, oh, he's talking about my city. I want to see somebody do well for my own hometown. Yeah. So a lot of people are trying to be like, hey, look at me. I'm, I'm supporting my own. And I think that's where the third following came from. The ah, third mm -hmm. Yeah, because yeah, I notice on your stuff, the percentage of people that see it and then actually follow you is exponentially higher than what it is with other stuff. Yeah. I want to ask Anthony. <laughs> How long have you been doing stand-up? Because I know uh, your story is a little different. Yeah, I've been doing it like uh, on and off for seven years. Okay. Uh, being in the military, like I've deployed and like being on a ship kind of makes it hard. Oh, okay, so you're in the Navy. I'm in the Coast Guard. In the Coast Guard. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, man. Interesting. So you came here from New York is what? Yeah, I was in New York and I was in Pensacola for like four months and uh -huh. I came out here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So did you do stand-up when you lived in New York? A little bit. So I moved to New York March of 2020. So mm -hmm. like right peak pandemic. Yeah. So there's nothing going on. Which is like, yeah, a waste of time. To and then to when Mike's, yeah, Mike started and they were like all like Central Park mics or like rooftop mics. So that was yeah. pretty rough. And then, uh, yeah, I didn't really do too much in New York, to be honest. Really? Yeah. I started in San Francisco in uh, 2015, I mm -hmm. think. Yeah. So that was like my first scene. I was there for like two years. And then I went to Hawaii for a year, deployed to the Middle East for a year. And I did some stand up oh, out yeah. there. Really? What was that like? It was cool because uh, I was in Bahrain and mm -hmm. uh, they all speak English there. Ah. And like the local college kids, they have like poetry nights and like open mic nights. So I just did stand up out there. Very cool. Yeah. Huh. There's one of the things that I'm learning from people that travel a lot. Everyone is, speaks English. Yeah, yeah. Everyone speaks English yeah. like everywhere. Yeah. Does the comedy translate well? It over did. There? Pretty, yeah. I was surprised. It's all like relatable yeah, they all around the, the world. Same shows we watch. They yeah. get all the references. So really? Yeah, it was pretty cool. That's one thing that I want to. I'm so, I'm I'm trying to figure out how to tap into. I mean, other than literally just getting on a plane and going somewhere, I'm like, how do I get booked? Yeah, in you know different places. Vince Taylor did comedy in Japan. Yeah, it's like that's how do incredible. People even, yeah. how do you even begin to to you know get those? Well, I guess I should drag his ass on the podcast at some point yeah, yeah, ask <laughs> and him. ask him how he does that. Yeah, it's, I think it's incredible that people who that have like the courage to just go out and do that, like. One, you have to put yourself out there and hope that this other culture receives you and yeah. accepts you. Yeah. And then two, you got to travel. You literally got to put yourself out there. And yeah. 
and you got to hope it's good. So mm-hmm. I, mean, I think it, I think it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was cool. You can just find a, a comedy scene everywhere, kind of like we do here. You just mm-hmm. look up open mics and then just mm-hmm. take a shot in the dark and hope they like your cum jokes or whatever <laughs> in another country. I'm, I'm so scared. So Ash Cash, because mm-hmm. I notice if I don't say anything to Ash Cash, she'll just like sit and look at me like <laughs> she's just like all right i guess i'm just hanging out what what so ash cast <laughs> I, I like ash cast because like she's jamaican and i'm jamaican so i always like she always just gets funny references <laughs> but one of the things that i'm scared of is doing stand-up in front of jamaicans that's yeah J- caribbean audience audiences are the worst <laughs> and it's it's hard to explain to people because they envision like j- like Jamaicans as fun, mm. but can you explain like what it would be like? It would be t- like their style of comedy is so different, and they're <laughs> gonna judge you harsher. But they like more over the top, kind of more acting like Oliver Samuels. He's not yeah. your he's the favorite of Jamaica, but like he's not really a stand up. He does skits and sketches on yeah. stage and whatever. And in terms of stand up, I don't I don't even know if I know any know of any jamaican that does it down there it's not like a big thing that i've it's, seen it's of. weird and the, and the thing that's weird about it is like i find caribbean stand-up to be very similar to 90s def jam type of st- stuff yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. where it's like it's a lot of yelling yeah it's a lot of like funny phrases in patois that yeah like the joke it, isn't there's no it's punch not even line. a punchline it's yeah. just the way we say things and exactly. they're just making fun of the way we say yeah. things so it's and they're telling a story and you're waiting f- to get to the punchline of the story and it's just the way that <laughs> i'm wearing headphones and it literally just sounded like the hulk smashed through the <laughs> table <laughs> but it's it's yeah, it's like it, there's no re. It, it's almost like it's not even. St- they're just telling stories, yeah. but the way that the they're way yelling they're and it, yeah. the certain phrases in patois that are just funny because patois mm-hmm. hilarious yeah. when you put together some of the phrases that they use. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how on earth. Are you a fan of Major Hype? Have you ever heard uh, uh, heard a stand up? I've I, I've heard the name and I've seen him in interviews. I have not watched the stand up. I've seen him at the improv. All the Caribbean people come out to watch him. Yeah, and they go crazy. He just breaks down each stereotype. See of, what I mean? Of of <laughs> e- yeah, of each culture. So he does a Jamaican accent. Yeah. He shows you how to do a bar. Uh, he does a Barbados accent. He does a Guyanese accent. Yeah. He does a Trini accent. And. He, <laughs> And it's all about our moms and how terrible our moms are yeah. to us <laughs> and how our moms would beat us over anything. Yeah. I think that's Oh, you're like Caribbean all... too. Yeah, my mom is Guyanese. My oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. It was my stepmom who I was just talking to was Guyanese. Okay, so, yeah. 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 <laughs> all We all have the same story. Our, our, yeah. our mom was strict. We had to clean our house and we <laughs> would get beat if we didn't take the chicken out of the fridge. Yeah. We, we all have the same, <laughs> the same upbringing. Yeah. But it's such a weird... Because I'll be honest also, one of the things that I will... I will give white people credit for, you know. You said, whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa! I've been meaning to talk to you, Chris. Hold on, let me, let me hear this. I think I should be the white representative. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I got a bone to pick with you. I can't wait to hear this take, so I can, so I can say some things. White audiences will will give you some leeway. Absolutely. Like yeah. if you have a moment where it's not the greatest and you're trying to figure it out, white people will. Gi- All right, let's give him. 
And I don't know if it's white guilt yeah. that makes them give you. No, they do it to all comics, too. I think yeah. they give it more to minorities, but there's so much grace yeah. with white people. White people are like, he's just trying his hardest. Yeah. He's yeah. Just, and then they'll come up to you after a bad set, and I'll, and I was like, oh, that was a good job. You did yeah. good. <laughs> black people will just like not make eye contact with you. Yeah. They'll just walk past you. Well, black people will openly heckle you in a way that white people won't. Yeah. And I, which I just realized, this is this is the first all brown podcast. Hey, hey, what up with it? What up with it? I was like, why am I so comfortable having this conversation? Oh, that's right, because it's the first one where it's just all brown. The niggas. (laughs) Whoa, whoa. And Anthony. Anthony, what's your uh, sound background? Me, I'm Indian. Indian. Okay, I did honestly. We all know you're Indian, but I didn't want to like. <laughs> I didn't want to be Guyanese. Yeah, I, I didn't want to yeah. do that American thing where you're like, I'm Chinese yeah. of Indian descent, <laughs> and you're an asshole for like assuming. Nah, you know, I'm yeah. not gonna do that, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Can I call you a sand N-word? Or is, is that a slur? I've been called it. Yeah. <laughs> that is a hilarious. If I'm like, happened. yo, what up, my sand nigga? I've is heard that, it. That's crazy. A, a quick know. story. <laughs> a quick story. <laughs> our Melbourne comedy scene has gotten. So, oh, so by the way, Anthony is now a part of our, like, sort of Melbourne scene. He moved here and we had an import, which is a great way to suddenly get better, like, a, like a, a an influx of actual talent into the area. Somebody move. Because building a trash comic into somebody's goods really hard to do. <laughs> Having somebody move in that's pretty good is really helpful. Um, we had, so this was the, the I don't even know. I guess I would call this the second wave of the Melbourne scene because the Melbourne scene started years ago and like uh, like Akeem Woods yeah. started here in Melbourne. Jacoby mm-hmm. started here in like Palm Bay, Melbourne. You could say Duncan Jay the first yeah, wave. Yeah, D- Duncan Jay is the first. Mm-hmm. Duncan Jay is like the founder of our local comics. There literally was nothing here before Duncan. Well, there was, but in terms of open mics and stuff, okay. there really wasn't anything here before Duncan started all that. The second wave is after Duncan was no longer running shows. Then there were some other comics that were running some shows, but they were the same mics. were still open mics and uh, old school pizza. And then Iron Oak Post kind of started. So during that sort of wave, we have this. We had this comedian. I'm not going to say her name, but she was this white girl and like cute blonde haired white girl, like very. She was trying to do like these social media rants. Mm. Where like, but not not this was before like the video rants were popular. She was just typing on Facebook, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I think she was trying to do like a like a ironic comedy rant or whatever. And she was talking about Asian people, mm. right? Ooh, and she Asian said, me. and I quote, the fucking rice niggers. <laughs> 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 it was the all right here's the here's the thing that made it so bad i was like that like she didn't say it in the genius way that it like it's hilarious <laughs> to call asian people rice niggers yeah. but she really was angry at an asian person yeah. so that ruins it uh, yeah. it was almost like i want to cancel her and then put rice nigger in my act. <laughs> Get her out of here. Make sure no one remembers her, and then steal her material. Exactly. <laughs> but it was like uh, the one thing that's annoying that I I feel about the 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 comment yeah. is like, why are racist people so uncreative? Yeah. Why does it always come back to us? Yeah. Why does it have to be 
insert thing that you eat nigger why <laughs> like why can't it why can't you guys come up with some new like you guys had one banger back in the 1800s and you just been <laughs> recycling i blame black people black we, people yeah we we took it too personally we should have just been we should have let it roll off our back like white people did with cracker you can't offend white people by calling them cracker the only way you can offend white people is if you call them racist that's yeah. the only <laughs> thing that, that pisses white people off we that's needed to adopt that methodology <laughs> You know, back in like the civil rights movement, they used to call white people niggers. Like if they liked, uh, if they liked a black person or they were like uh, empathetic to the the cause. They'd oh, be really? Like, you white nigger. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they probably hilarious. liked it though. They were like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Part of the nice. Dave Chappelle had one of my favorite, one of my favorite Dave Chappelle jokes ever. He was like, I I made so much money last year. I started calling poor white people niggers. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you came. So all right, here's a good question. Yeah, um, Anthony, you come from New York, okay? And you come down to our little Melbourne, Florida comedy scene. What has been your assessment so far of being in this little group? Dude, it's awesome. Like New York, if you ever been mm-hmm. New York City, like open mics, nobody's there. It's like comics, and even comics aren't there. They're just outside hanging out. Yeah. So there's not like a really great open mic scene in New York. Mm-hmm. So that's why people like hustle so hard and do like five mics a night. Yeah. Because you're not getting much from one mic at all. Mm-hmm. But here, like, we just did Moon Room on a Tuesday night. It's mm-hmm. packed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you don't get that in uh, in New York. So that's why I like like smaller cities or smaller scenes because mm-hmm. uh, the quality of like open mics and shows are, are way better. I'm so excited. I'm I'm building. I don't know if you noticed this, but I went through this period of and I, I i like i'm I'm excited to have this conversation with kevin who's somebody who's like an active member of the orlando scene mm-hmm. i went through this period where i hated the orlando comedy scene oh yeah me too right okay good okay yeah, yeah, so yeah, people I, understand all I right hated it. yeah <laughs> and um i'm now so like i'm doing um milk district on thursday oh me too yeah okay really so we'll be yeah. at the same show that'd be awesome cool because i'm i'm now starting to realize that orlando has changed a lot mm-hmm. and i need to start heading back out there and re in, you know introducing myself into why did you hate it all right so <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah i've done this rant on this podcast before but now i actually have an orlando person and we're going to talk about it it to me when i first started number one one of the things that i find very frustrating is that us melbourne comics and this is true to this day are we don't get included in the orlando family mm-hmm. right so what we've had to do is really make sure that we create our own scene here locally. And I think we've done a fantastic job of doing that in our little, with the little town that we have, we have real audiences that come out to real shows. I mean, at this point we have Gregory's, which is a legit comedy club. Mm-hmm. We have um, Blind Lion, which Judd is killing up there in, in Coco Village. We have Moon Room every Tuesday night. We have um, Retro. Beachside Retro now. Um, we have Rooney's. We have Lizette's, which is like once a month. We have um, Social Distance. We have Twisted Birch now, which is once once a month, which is a like a, again, real paid gig. We're bringing in headliners, paying them multiple hundreds of dollars <laughs> to come out to do Twisted Birch. Thank you for reminding me of that because that's so new. Yeah, because that's so new that it just wasn't on top of my head. So it's like our, we've created this like real scene. Um, but one of the reasons why that happened was Orlando used to be so clicky that it was very difficult as an outside comic to come in and not feel like you're being shitted on 
by people that you're a lot funnier than. Yeah. And it was really frustrating to go out to Orlando before to where I got to a point where, and I'll tell you where I pivoted. I pivoted to South Florida. Mm. I've done a lot of South Florida to the point now where I get more paid work out of South Florida than I do anywhere else. Sure. Just because I, I went down there so much. Um, and one thing that I noticed, and it's again, it's gotten better. And I think that also has a little bit to do with the <laughs> a demographic shift that's mm-hmm. happened in the Orlando comedy scene. I think some of the uh, some of the like hipster kids mm-hmm. have stepped aside a little bit, and it's a little bit more diverse in who's in terms of who's in charge of the mics and stuff. Yeah. If, um, if I could offer any pushback, because I I hear the clicky comment about Orlando all the time, yeah. and I agree. I, mm-hmm. I don't disagree, but I, I don't think it's as malicious as like, what do you think of like a high school click of like, oh, we're just not letting outsiders mm-hmm. in. I think that comics, especially Orlando comics, are fucking weird. I yeah. think they're just like anti-social <laughs> <For sure>. kids <laughs> that were not popular in school, didn't have a lot of friends. So they teamed up with other comedians and now mm-hmm. they're all friends. They hang out outside of comedy. They do shit together. Well, hold on. What, what yeah. you also got to understand is, so prior to the pandemic, because it's weird because based on like when you started, yeah, there was a time when there was, not every click was malicious, but there were some actual malicious ones. I, you know, I believe it. Yeah. And I, I've heard crazy stories about people exactly doing the most. Yeah. So when that I, didn't happen on my watch. Yeah. So it, when I started, that was, it was weird. It was, it was already clicky. Yeah. Which would have been okay because, like, I can earn my way. Yeah, into, that's the worst I like, got a out of it. Click type yeah. of thing, right? Mm-hmm. What was there before was it was clicky, and then there were people just doing wild shit. Yeah, like trying to destroy people's lives. Yeah, and getting doing, people canceled. Yeah, doing, yeah like doing it, stuff like you know sending dick pics with other people's names. So on you them. know, yeah, I know, about you it. know yeah, yeah. what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, no, it was crazy. And then, but what would happen for me was. As that was happening, I was like, okay, I understand that it's not everybody in the scene, but the scene is allowing it to continue. Yeah. So it's to me, on culture. some level, it is everybody. Yeah. Because if that were to happen here, you're not welcome anywhere. Yeah. If some if somebody did that, something like those type of things, or even like I mean, at one point they had a, a, a sexual assaulter yeah, running around in the scene. And I'm like, if if that, if something were to, you know, knock on wood or whatever, but if Ash Cash came to me and said some Specifics. dude. Like, no, but I'm saying, like, this is somebody in our scene. Yeah. This is a, a female comic in the our scene. The only female comic in your Yeah, the only female the only comic. Well, no, there, no, no, there's a couple. Don't do that. <laughs> But um, I don't know if I want my name attached to this pod. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I'm new here. I'm trying to make friends. <laughs> but this is Aziz part two. <laughs> <laughs> but no, if she came to me and was like, "Hey, some some person did you know X, Y, and Z," and we get to the bottom of it, and this person really is like creating a an unsafe environment for the female comics in our scene, you're done. Like you yeah. don't you don't come to anything. You're not participating. You come to a mic. You write your name on the list. We cross it out. Like mm-hmm. you, you're, we're just not letting you participate yeah. in this now. Um, and then again, those other things that were happening in the other direction of trying to get men canceled, or like mm-hmm. all that type of shit. Like to me, it was so toxic. But it also had this air of, you know, you have to earn being amongst us. Yeah. And I'm out. like, I have to earn being in this Weird. cesspool of 
assholes and garbage. And then, yeah. of course, there's the, within that cesspool of assholes and garbage, there's some great comics. Yeah. But it's like, I got to earn the right to be a part of this mess. I mean, that that Orlando comedy scene Facebook page years ago oh, it was, was nasty. It was ruthless. It was like, yeah. And, and the part that made it m- most frustrating is the people causing the most drama were the least funny people yeah. on stage. Yeah. It was so frustrating, but what I'm seeing now from a distance is how it's gotten so much. A lot of those people have just weeded out, and they're gone, and who's left is all the people that I liked from before yeah. that I didn't hang out with because I didn't want to get involved in all that. So it's like I need to get back there, and yeah. you know, I'm starting to see Joe Sensabella around and all mm-hmm. that other like people that come out from Orlando, Jari, and all that. And I'm like, I need to get back to Orlando. There's a lot of great comics out there, and I came in at a time where I, I think a lot of comics were finding their niche on social media because mm-hmm. of the pandemic. It forced them to. Yeah. And I think that took away a lot of insecurity that the comics had because mm-hmm. it's like, I don't really need to prove myself to you guys at an open mic. I have 10,000 followers or I have yeah. this that is doing well and I'm getting validation on the internet. Mm-hmm. So I don't really need to do the theatrics for you guys or earn your validation mm-hmm. where I think it created a more healthy environment for Orlando in general. Yeah. Everybody kind you don't have to try to uh earn the respect of comics out there because right now the the internet is your cachet. It's like mm-hmm. okay, I do well at open mics, I get booked for shows, and I have this decent following online. So screw you if you don't like my mm-hmm. type five, my my mm-hmm. ten, whatever. And one thing Orlando I will say has done is Orlando has churned out people that have figured out social media superstars yeah more so than any other scene that i've seen orlando has been like when you go to the mics with orlando comics everybody's coming out like it's like it's news channel six or some shit everybody's got their like boom mics and shit to make these clips yeah so one of the things that i think orlando is really prime for um because i'm i'm like a broken record i talk about this all the time on this podcast but one of the things that i want to do with this podcast is I noticed and what what really got me excited about starting a podcast because I wasn't sure like what I wanted to talk about. One thing that I've noticed is I'm in this weird middle ground where I work with the headliners enough to where all the headliners know me and they have some respect for me, but I'm also new enough to where I'm still at the open mics and all the open micers know me. Yeah, it's a great place to be. Yeah, and what I've noticed is that the headliners avoid the open open mic scene Mm -hmm. and the open micers like it's the plague and i think one thing that really did happen in orlando is that there was just again not all of them of course but there was just such a loud contingent of disrespectful wild behaving people in the orlando scene before that all of the working headlining comics like orlando's got a bunch of killer headliner touring at least the state if not the country Mm -hmm. headliner comics they don't really show up at the other bar like that they don't show up at you know all that other stuff and what i think would be super healthy for it which was what i'm trying to do with this podcast in our scene and maybe spread this mentality out as much as we can amongst all of our scenes in florida is and, and you know wherever comics are listening to this is now that some of that's been weeded out because what i think was cool about the pandemic is it it took anybody who was not dead serious about comedy and blew them completely out of the water they're they're done flushed them exactly so what i think could happen now and would be super cool for orlando is if now that the scene is so much healthier energy wise 
if there was a way to bring back in headliners some of those headliners to come out to the mics incentivize audience members to incentivize audience members to come because the other thing is is i think what we got to be careful of is the new comics being so good with the social media stuff that they never master the craft Yeah. yeah and where there's a big divide is the new open micers are kind of like i don't need to listen to these old guys because they don't have any followers they can't pack rooms who gives a fuck with these old guys thing right but those old guys are actual killers on stage they put on a master class exactly they know how to control a crowd they know timing they know crowd work they know bits they exactly where hack works where hack doesn't work yeah and at the same time those old guys are like fuck these kids and their TikTok, and i don't want to participate in their bullshit but at the meantime it's like dude You've been doing this 16 years, 20 years, and you're a killer, but nobody knows who the, who you are. If you were to work with some of these kids and let them teach you what they know about the internet, mm. you could actually blow up and reignite yeah. your career yeah. by actually dealing with these kids. And That's what cool. I what I want to connect with this podcast, and we, we do that, like, we try to kind of force it on those episodes where we bring in a headliner and really personally interview them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I really think there, if we could bring the generations of comics together i think those old school comics that are real killers on stage but have 15 like dude, there's so many comics that have been doing stand-up for 20 years and they have 1500 followers yeah. Yeah. on instagram <laughs> and it's like dude, if, if people knew who the fuck you were yeah <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, you'd, you'd be, be somebody a, you'd be a beast yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and it would take very little effort too. exactly just like you clip up 30 seconds of a bit you've been doing for 20 years yep that's still hilarious and there's so many again of these young kids that have 25,000 30,000 followers hey yo yep and that well don't 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 i don't mean you but (laughs) but but they're trash on stage yeah yeah, yeah. and they could learn so exactly (laughs) and they they could learn so much from sitting down with some of these more experienced comics like one of the things i want i i wish i could I could brainwash a headliner into doing this, and I'm going to do it once I get to the to the point. Um, is pick some open micer that's killing it. So, perfect example. If I were Dean Napolitano, mm-hmm. right, murderer on stage, one of the best comics I've ever seen in person in my life, absolute beast. Not that well known out there in the world, right? Mm-hmm. If I was Dean Napolitano, I would say, Kevin, you're my opener every show that I'm doing for the next, you know, six months, right? Which you would jump at that opportunity. That'd be an amazing opportunity for you. Yeah. And at the same time, if I'm Dean, I go, hey, in exchange, you're managing my social media for the next six months. Mm. So now you, Kevin, get to go on the road, make a ton of contacts that you wouldn't be able to make before, learn an insane amount of new just comedy knowledge working with someone like Dean and then Dean has somebody who knows how to make a social media account pop running his social media account for free. Oh, that's so good. And now everybody, the newer generation is learning what they need to learn from the older generation. The older generation is learning what they need to learn from the younger generation. And we do that systematically across the board. Yeah. And Florida becomes one of the rising stars in, in the country in terms of comedy comedy yeah. i mean like south florida for instance the one thing that happened in south florida which is why sometimes you're just in the right place at the right time when i was really doing south florida 
because New York and L.A. and all those major northern cities closed down, a bunch of working comics came to Miami. Yeah. Yeah. And I made a bunch of contacts in Miami that are New York comics. Yeah. You know? And Florida's really going through, because I think Florida's actually becoming this really unique place because we are so, we're so diverse, but we're also, like, Republican as shit. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's one of the last places where you can get on stage and really say what the fuck you want to say without worrying about getting in trouble. Yeah, you could just say that COVID never existed and people will clap and cheer with (laughs) you every every time. You can say pretty much anything in Florida. It's kind of made me the comic that I am today because (laughs) I think that a lot of bookers and other comics want a, a a minority Mm-hmm. comic on the lineup somewhere uh, whether it's a woman uh, gay black whatever mm-hmm. um but the rooms that i mostly work are majority majority white mm-hmm. it's you, every audience is a primarily white demographic yeah and it's allowed me to do and learn different styles of comedy i I already relate to black people, so I have a good time in black rooms. I do mm-hmm. well. But when I'm in these white rooms, I'm traversing. I'm like, okay, this pisses white people off. This makes white people uncomfortable. This makes white people nervous. This makes white people sad. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm just ma- manufacturing naturally and organically all of these different life skills because mm-hmm. white people are everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just taking this and using it all over. But it really catapulted my comedy because this I think Florida is like one of the only areas that it's like that where they're like, all right, we have these dark comics or these minority comics and all these white rooms. We're going to just put them all together and see what the yep. fuck happens. To me, like, to me, Florida is a place where it manufactures mainstream comics. Yeah. Because it takes a it, you, it puts you in front of yeah it puts you in front of middle aged middle aged middle income white people yeah like one of the things that's so funny to me is my local club is Gregory's mm-hmm. you know Gregory's is the closest comedy club for me and yeah. I worked Gregory's a whole bunch I was so intimidated the first two times I did Gregory's exactly and I killed every time yeah. I've never had a bad time at Gregory's yeah. <laughs> I've hosted and I featured I've done everything for them. And every single time I just look at the sea of white people and I'm like, oh, God, they're not going to they're not going to appreciate any of these jokes. They're not going to get any of these jokes. They don't they don't know who DMX is. This is crazy. But here's what here's what Gregory's taught me, though. I did. I did a private gig um, late last year. It was the Christmas party for the Hardy County Sheriff's Office. Nice. Right. So like middle of nowhere, central Florida sheriff with a literal cowboy boots and cowboy hat Mm. like black cowboy hat black cowboy boots matching his sheriff uniform with spurs on the back standing in the back of the rooms with his arms crossed and the booker sent them they booked me and then the booker sent like my like photo with like a bio out and i got a call from the lady that was running their christmas party and she was like hey um Here's the thing, um, <laughs> and I know I, I know what she was asking, but she didn't know how to ask it. Mm. 
she was like, hey, I don't want to get fired because <laughs> I'm the one that convinced them to bring a comic. And this is the first time we've ever done a comic. And we're like, this is the sheriff's department for a country town. <laughs> mm. And she just sees like my like black and white headshot with my arms crossed on this big black dude. And then yeah. the bio's like Militant Chris Robinson. Yeah, Chris Robinson from New York and da 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 da. And it's like, oh, she's terrified that I'm going to get up there and say, fuck the police, you know, whatever. And I was like, what she doesn't know is I am pandering to white people all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I essentially I am. uh, I'm I'm out there cooning night after night after night. I am Gregory's comedy club trained. Yeah, I, I have spent months working Gregory's comedy club. I am the old white people whisperer yeah like even though i'm a big young black man old white people love this shit out of me by the time i get off stage that's so relatable yeah being from st cloud same thing Uh, our local club is porky's exactly but i'm from st cloud yeah so that is my like my home i i had my own comedy show there um in st cloud for a little bit Mm -hmm. so me and porky's kind of were like the bloods and the crips (laughs) uh but we've since uh shook hands and squashed beef yeah but every single time that i go out there from the time that they didn't know who i was Mm -hmm. uh the owners of porky's um, and they're such cool guys great they were actually my old administrators when at height in my high school really yeah it was like a football (laughs) coach uh shout out eric godfrey and uh, and barber i see them being football coaches they look just like football coaches. yeah so Vinny, uh he's like he's been a cook for forever he's been in the barbecue business but uh eric was a a football coach and administrator Mm -hmm. um but when i got there uh eugene torres had given me a spot it's a good friend of mine from Mm -hmm. back in the day and uh they were he was like hey this guy is from st cloud and he's already here do you mind giving him five minutes and they were like yeah i won't give him five minutes Mm -hmm. but they were like i don't know if how well he's gonna do like just look at like yeah. they didn't say it but that was like the energy is like yeah. everybody in here has got spurs uh, on cowboy hats exactly. old white yep. people uh, and I I know about St. Cloud that's why these dating videos have gone like done so well I'm just gonna stereotype the shit out of you guys I'm gonna talk about all yeah. the things you know about <laughs> and by the time I got off stage people were literally coming up to me and like bro, you should have been the headliner. You yeah. were hilarious. <laughs> you were great. Yeah, yeah I, I had five minutes of time so they brought me back and I've, I've been back 10 or 15 times since but yeah it's white white guy whisper yeah <laughs> every time i know yeah, yeah. white people <laughs> and i'm curious to see how that that um how that translates long term yeah because one of the things that i've watched with chris rock he gets so much hate he gets so much hate because white people love him so much yeah they're like oh he panders to white people which i don't feel like it's true i feel like you pander with white people <laughs> so where so where am i get, wait so where am i getting this from <laughs> I've been waiting to talk about this shit. <laughs> no, uh, uh, Chris, man, I, I feel like every time I talk to you, you're very pro-black. Uh, I yeah. feel I feel good about uh, your stance on the culture. And then I get on Facebook and I, and I feel like I see you being <laughs> <laughs> sympathetic to the whites every single time. Like, hey, hear me out, man. White people aren't that bad, man. White, white people have taught us so much. I'm like, whoa, whoa, what are white people teaching out here? Yeah, man, what's up you. with that? Let me tell you where <laughs> where this comes from. It comes from like, so I, I talk about this in my act, and that's one of the things that I, I try to like. And this is the funny thing is I do so much crowd work now that most people never see my actual act. Yeah, I've, I've yeah, watched like you five. Minutes, I've watched jokes. you five times. I haven't seen you do your material. That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> and you kill every time. Yeah. Um, but I talk about this in my act where, like, I'm 
I'm in a weird position because like I'm I'm 31 years old. I'm married. I bought a house. Right now I'm in the pro- I, I bought some land last year. I'm in the process of buying more land. Oh, so what you and think is like, better than us? <laughs> getting there. Working on it. <laughs> no, but what I mean is is like you start to have some of these experiences and you start to get like, all right, some of this shit white people are complaining about is a fair grievance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I spend a lot of time around like middle-aged white people and they start talking and you go, he's killing this shit right now. I don't really have a rebuttal for any of these complaints that he has about the black community. Like black people playing loud music in, yes. in the neighborhood. So I, yeah. I, have a, I have a joke where I have, um, I haven't done this joke in forever where it's like I, I pull up to a gas station and I hear like the bass vibrating my car and I look to my left, and there's no one in the car that's playing music. <laughs> and I, too, go, this nigga right here. Like, <laughs> I have the same reaction as white people have. <laughs> like, I have um, this other thing I saw. I uh, talked about last podcast, uh, Colin Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the thing where Colin Kaepernick has, com- had, has like, a complaint about his white parents? Yeah, I just saw that. No. Colin Kaepernick was talking. So, uh, Colin Kaepernick was adopted by, like, these rich white people. Raised him like in this suburban like thing since he was a baby. He becomes this activist, NFL player, all this other stuff. Recently, he, I mean, Colin Kaepernick has to be a 35 year old man yeah, at this point. He's been around for a bit. He brought up how even his loving white parents have said some, um, what was his term? Problematic things to him. Yeah. Where they told him, he got, when he got like his cornrows. His white mother told him, like, you should not have your hair like that. Like, you look like a little thug. You should comb your hair out. It doesn't look professional. And he suggested that, like, "Mm, that's a little problematic and a kind of racist, even from, like, my loving white mother. And I was like, all right, (laughs) put myself in some rich white people's shoes for a second, right? I'm a rich white family. I've gone out of my way (laughs) to adopt... A little black baby, raise him in the suburbs with all the best schools, all the best private football quarterback coaches he could ever ask for in his life. Mm-hmm. Take him to an amazing college. He gets to the NFL. He becomes a forty, fifty million dollar man. He then becomes a uh, uh, what? Uh, what do you even freaking call it? an activist? Now he's up in the community, and thirty five years later, this ungrateful nigga has the nerve (laughs) to bring up some shit I said 25 years ago. If I was his parents, I'd join the clan because it's like there is nothing you can do for black people where they're going to be satisfied. Am I speaking of Chris Robinson or Chris Coon? (laughs) This is an actual comic. I need to know which Chris I'm speaking to. I cannot cannot deal with this cootery. So are you telling me there's no world where a white person who has done well or done right by black people can't have racist tendencies yes but if i pick an ashy black baby up (laughs) off the street (laughs) what he better not do is complain about a goddamn thing i said to him during his childhood to get him to the nfl (laughs) like i just don't (laughs) i'm gonna have to just agree to disagree with you on that nigga (laughs) i mean i mean the nigga in me is i'm looking at ash cash agreeing with me right now i see both sides that's the safe answer i feel like every kid goes through that though even jamaicans be saying like that here is unprofessional so it's yeah, like yeah. weird 
So like no, my black parents said that to me at one point. I had corn. Yeah. I had corn. That's because we're like you know trained. Yeah. To think it is. To yeah, those are all white ideologies. My black parents has also said racist or or ignorant shit before but mm-hmm. where are we getting these Euros, eurocentric standards of beauty and professionalism and societal mm-hmm. norms that's yeah. the issue uh, and just out of what you said out mm-hmm. of colin kaepernick's context mm-hmm. i think it's a it's an important conversation to have i mm-hmm. don't know what his stance was on it i don't know if he was mm-hmm. like shaming them for that but like Let's have the conversation. Listen, Let's talk about it. I feel like that's a conversation for him and his parents. <laughs> Not TMZ or whatever. Anthony's like, how did I get trapped in this? <laughs> what type of nigga conversation? You guys know I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just here for it, dude. Anthony's like, I couldn't get braids if I wanted to. It's too straight. It was I was just hoping un- Sean Matter was coming because I feel like he would have helped balance us out a little bit. <laughs> It's I don't, but even like I mean some of the stuff that I so do you know who because so Jari was supposed to be here and I thought this would be a funny conversation to have with Jari. Do you know who Charleston White is? No, you don't know who Charleston White is. Do should I? Know oh, him? I'm so excited. I'm gonna send you 15 videos. Oh, yo, yo about, is he the problematic black dude who just gets on uh, on social media and just talks talks shit about wild black reckless? Right? Yeah, he was like, oh, I don't, I don't. <laughs> I saw one of his videos. He was like, I don't believe uh, in Bloods and Crips. I think that all Bloods and Crips should be killed. I think all gang members should die. Yeah. He's that dude. He's yeah, like, yeah, he's yeah. a little bit hood. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, yeah. yeah. And he, he's like, yo, if I found out my son was gay, I'll beat the shit out of him. Like, yeah. that, he, <laughs> just that says, dude, yeah. he just says problematic shit. He says wild shit. I know right? exactly who he is. Yeah. I don't entertain niggas like that. Has, so I don't know him by name. He has like the funny. He, has, he, he actually has one eye. One of his eyes are fake. So like yeah. he looks like he's cross-eyed, but it's actually a fake eye and a real eye. Okay. All right. <laughs> Yes, I know I'm, this guy. I'm about to lose Kevin again. <laughs> I would say about 70% of what he says is spot on correct. Let me tell you. <laughs> I don't know the guy. So <laughs> Let me tell you. Well, now, here's here's where he lost me, honestly. Recently, he went on this weird rant talking crazy about, like, um, uh, Math Hoffa. You know who Math Hoffa is? Yeah, the rapper. Yeah, he was talking about, like, like abusing Math Hoffa's kids, like, crazy stuff. Because what his problem is is he has no, like, I think what's happened with Charleston White, honestly, and it's so funny enough, he's doing stand-up now. Oh, cool. So, <laughs> because a lot of the shit he says is hilarious. So he figured out that he can start to go on tour, which is creating this, something weird's happening in stand-up right now, because now we have, like, T.I. and Tom Brady's threatening to start doing stand-up. Tom Brady said it? Yeah, yeah Tom Brady was like, oh, maybe I'll take up stand-up. Charleston White, like so, it's like it's 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 the weird things happening with stand up, right? Yeah. Where it's becoming like if you're washed at something else, now you start to, <laughs> <laughs> you get on stage and start just telling the old stories about your career, and people laugh. So I guess technically that's stand up because yeah. you know I'm just telling you know whatever. Um, but like even something as simple as I don't know, I, I like that this is the first podcast with all black comedians, and this has just become a black people podcast all of a sudden. <laughs> How quickly but, we yeah. <laughs> we take over. Yeah, also, this is like uh, a sand nigga. Yeah, <laughs> hey, hey. hey. <laughs> that doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> <laughs> but he like, I mean, there there was this, this funniest video with him that I show to people, and they look at me like I'm crazy. He has this video where he talks about like what we need in the black community is we need to raise snitches like he was like we need an organization of snitches he was like where when the kids are in school 
like these are the kids that we push to be hall monitors. So we raise them as snitches like early. Great bit. Yeah, great like bit. yeah, great, great bit, great, great bit, right? And he was like, but he was like, you got to teach them how to use guns. You got to teach them how to fight, so that when they try and bully them for snitching, they'll beat your ass too, right? <laughs> so. It's the greatest, like, it's a hilarious bit, but he's dead ass serious, <laughs> right? But the thing is, as you think about it, because the part that turned me is at the end of the video, he's like, well, we're raising gangsters. Like, there's people out there actively, like, your big brother's in a gang, and your big brother is indoctrinating you into a gang from when you were a kid. He's like, well, how are we going to counteract that? We need to indoctrinate some snitches from a young age <laughs> to counterbalance some of this shit. And I was like, see, <laughs> see, Ash, see what I'm saying? Don't it start makes, drinking the Kool-Aid, Ash. It, it the, prob yeah. the problem I have with Charleston White and everybody else like him <laughs> is that everybody Perfect makes, makes sense sometimes, bro. Donald Trump makes sense sometimes. Kanye West makes sense sometimes. That doesn't mean that we start adopting all these extra ideologies. These guys are lunatics. <laughs> I can... I can Yeah, I think because because here's uh, here's my here's my big defense of Kanye West, right? Oh, I come think on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, here's my thing. Now I now look here's here's my defense. If you are a Jewish person and you're like I hate Kanye West for life, I cannot be mad at you because he said some very specific shit about <laughs> your community. <laughs> but as a black person, mm -hmm. right? We have rappers that we know for a fact have sold drugs to black people that have stabbed shot killed r kelly was raping black girls all this other stuff that we have not canceled right r kelly got canceled but i'll, I'll give you that <laughs> it, it 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 took a long time to yeah. get that canceling to come through the sure, through sure, the pipeline sure he was running around <laughs> Doing concerts for a long time <laughs> with people still throwing panties at him for yeah. a long time. Kanye West has only ever, literally, this whole time, you take the 20-year span of his career, the only thing he's ever done is said some shit that people didn't like. Mm. That's all he's ever done to anybody. He's never put his hands on anybody. Yeah. He's never, like I said, sold any drugs to anybody. He hasn't even he hasn't even really badly influenced the kids in his music. Like he's literally done nothing to anybody. And the fact that the black community is up in arms mad at him and they're not up in arms at there were people talking about free young thug. If you read <laughs> the fucking indictments Young what, thug, didn't he do? What, he, what didn't he do? <laughs> what didn't he do? What did it was like, do? This nigga got stabbed. This nigga got shot. He sold crack to this kid who started up these gangs in, in start, the city. Yo. Like, literally started his own gang from scratch. Like, where do you even, like, just join the Bloods and the Crips. We already have gangs. You don't have to come out with new ones. Like, he made up a new gang. Yeah. And there's still people in the black community, in like the hip hop community, talking about like, isn't it a shame what happened to Young Thug? What the fuck are you talking about? All Kanye West did was say some shit, and some shit that I also think, again, I, I agree with a little bit. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I think I think the here's here's what I think happened with Kanye West in the Jewish community. I think he was so, and this is where I think Charleston White has the same issue. He's so hell bent on proving. 
that you will not tell him what to say, mm -hmm. that he's backed himself into a corner of the only way to prove that is to say the craziest thing you can think of. Yeah. So you back yourself into a corner of I'm now just the guy that says insane shit all the time. Yeah. And I don't know. Once you put yourself in that corner, how the hell do you get out of it? Because how do you prove that? Because what will happen is if he starts talking normally again. <laughs> People are going to be like, oh, they, the, the, the man, the Illuminati finally got to you. Yeah. So the only way to prove that the Illuminati hasn't gotten to him is for him to keep, keep saying, saying crazy man. shit. Yeah. So he's he's fucked because now he's in this corner. Yeah. But I think there's levels to cancellation for sure. Yeah. Like, no, if Kanye comes on at a club, nobody's like, yo, turn this bullshit yeah. off. Like, nobody's yeah. mad at college dropout right now. Yeah. But we're also, I think, as a community, I can't speak for all black people. I think we're a little hesitant, like with anything new that he drops but, that comes out. All right, let me, let me, let me, let me get Kevin to like throw his hat on the floor. <laughs> I don't have a problem with him saying slavery was a choice. And here's the here's the part where <laughs> look at Kevin. <laughs> let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. And my my favorite part about that clip is um, the <laughs> the guy on TMZ with the dreads. Yeah, that's actually my cousin. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. My cousin is sitting there as Kanye is doing this. So the video is very funny to me because I'm watching my uncle Chuck. Like, you know, as, as black people, you call your older generation cousins yeah. uncle. So my uncle Chuck is sitting there while Kanye is like screaming all this wild shit in this clip. But if you watch it, people see the other thing is black people lie on Kanye. He did not say slavery was a choice. He said 400 years of slavery. It starts to sound like a choice. He didn't say slavery was a choice. He said 400 years of it, it starts to seem like a choice, right? And I'm really losing Anthony. He's like, I'm not going to say shit during I'm this portion. But <laughs> I'm here. So what to me, what he what he's saying, if you really pay attention to structure, like to me, I think the black community needs to go back to sentence graphing. Remember mm. when you were in high school and they make you like graph this? I know I'm losing Kevin. Where they make you graph the <laughs> sentence? No, because a lot it's of your pod, nigga. A lot of people, a lot of people just react emotionally to hearing some shit they didn't like. And they don't actually do the, all right, what exactly, like literally graph the sentence. What was the subject of? of this thing I didn't like. What was he saying specifically? I don't think that's a black people thing. I think that anybody in, in today's modern society, they pull a clip from a wide thing that they said, take it out of context and then market it as a headline because yeah. that's what's going to sell whatever you're trying to sell, the podcast, the newspaper, that's very whatever. True. That's true. So it's easy to get people up in arms, but the quicker that you get somebody upset about something, the faster you see it, it blow over when there's the, the next hot button topic. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think uh, his slavery is a choice comment. Even 400 years is starting to sound like a choice. It's still a wild thing to say to uh, an oppressed people that did not have the but, but opportunity. He, here, here's why, and this is getting real deep. Anthony <laughs> might want to just go home at this point. Just um, just the here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> just sit back. Here's here, here's why I think that it. <laughs> this is no longer the funny style podcast. Right? <laughs> a whole different conversation. It's not funny anymore. But yeah, it's not funny at all. But it all goes back to. But slavery. I but I think that, for example, Native Americans, right? Mm. They chose to fight to the death down to every last like Chris Rock has this whole bit how like there ain't no more Native Americans like mm -hmm. they're gone they yeah. literally fought down to whatever right so there is a choice there there was a point Christ. there was a point at which right 
For real, there was a point at which in the South, during slavery, there were literally more black people than there were white people, right? A lot of that oppression is a mental thing, right? Because, I mean, there was really a point where for every white person, there was like two black people. And if it really came down to, you know what, in a coordinated manner in the middle of the night, we're killing all of y'all, like that really could have been a thing, right? So I'm not saying that it's a reasonable or a fair choice, but to open your mind to being able to see it as a choice. I want this changes. to still be a funny podcast. <laughs> I really want this to still be a funny podcast. I have two counterpoints to that. Okay. Two counterpoints. Okay. One, that is a, a total representation of what is happening in today's society with uh, rich people versus uh, poverty stricken people. Mm -hmm. There are way more uh, middle class and lower class people than uh, there are rich people. And mm -hmm. we could, everybody could still have that mindset. But nobody does it. Why? Because it is more comfortable. It is simpler. It is easier to uh, to not attack that way than it is than to just all gather up. And that point is completely moot. Moot. I just wanted to mention mm -hmm. that. Another thing is, it's not easy to uh, overcome oppression when you're being indoctrinated into oppression. So mm -hmm. to even have that mindset of mm -hmm. like, oh, we can overpower master. Uh, when master was t is telling you every day that you're stupid, you shit, you don't know any better. And I think it's very easy to have that perspective when you have the education that you had and you had the privileges that we have mm -hmm. as unenslaved people. Very, very true. I'm not disagreeing with you at all. However, moving forward, right? So funny enough, Will Smith. <laughs> Willard. <laughs> Willard. Had this thing, has this famous thing where I, I don't know if it was the original thought of his, but he was talking about this idea of fault versus responsibility, mm. right? Like something cannot be your fault, but it is your responsibility to fix it. So slavery and the condition that black people are in is not black people's fault, right? But it is our responsibility to fix it moving forward. I agree with that. Right? So how do you, because there was, again, back to the, the, the slavery was a choice thing. There's, a, there's an indoctrination that you're absolutely correct about. How do you break that indoctrination? The way you break that indoctrination is opening up your mind, right, to a way of thinking that is philosophically above where that oppression is. So to me, what I think Kanye West has these thoughts and he's just really inarticulate mm. at explaining what he means. Being able to think of slavery as a choice elevates your thinking outside of your oppressed sort of paradigm, so right? Thinking it's a choice makes it a choice. And exactly. And one ex yeah, so once you once you open your mind up to it being a choice, then you have to now start to think about, okay, what am I doing that's contributing to this problem? So for example, and this is where I, I, I stand on this 100%, right? <laughs> Ralphie May, I keep bringing, at least I'm bringing this horrible shit back to comedy. comedy. Ralphie May has this joke about how there's no way black people, like white people, like the pilgrims, caught black people in africa there's no he was like no there's no way some fat white man with like golden buckles on his hard bottom shoes caught like physically caught some africans right so going back to that initial standpoint right again when white people make that argument of like there was a lot of black people selling black people into slavery right 
there's a piece of that choice in there. Now, what happened was because people at that time didn't understand that white people were coming with, we are racist and we're racist in an organized way. <laughs> we're bringing like, we're bringing systemic racism to your doorstep. What the Africans went was, oh, when we go to war with somebody and we win the war, we enslave we the people mm -hmm. that, you know, lost the war. And we enslave them for a certain period of time as punishment for winning, the, for losing the war. And then they go free afterward. They didn't understand. Exactly. You work your way out of it, which is a punishment of losing the war. They didn't understand that what the white people were bringing to the table was a different level of evil shit. Yeah, your which children is, and your children's children. Are exactly, and that's because we think we are superior to you because of all this racist structure, right? Mm -hmm. There's an argument to be made that had those original Africans did their homework before they started making Nigga. those trades. Listen. <laughs> Hey, yo, this was a good pod, bro. This is a super good pod. It's nice seeing you. Nice working with you. But here's my point. But here's but here's where you have to be able to think. Again, you have to be able to put a certain level. Because, again, you only have power over what you take responsibility for, right? And I think that the more responsibility you pile on top of yourself, the more power your mind is able to take over things because that 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 concept to say that those africans should have did their homework sounds nuts i look at <laughs> kevin's face he was like what the fuck because they didn't know evil like that even existed they I, even, so how could they so moving forward we should we should think about our oppression as being our responsibility to make sure that no one is ever capable of oppressing us ever again and how we do that is we do our homework with everyone we deal with from now on but i'm saying it's like there's there's something to, I don't like. We've gotten really deep down this rabbit hole of ruining Anthony's career. I'm just like, wait, career. a joke somewhere in here that I can maybe, that I can interject. So, so when Gandhi was oppressed, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I heard that nigga was racist, bro. I heard Gandhi was terrible. He was mad racist. I heard he hated black people. He yeah. might have. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, isn't it crazy yeah, yeah. that everybody's getting canceled now? People like been dead for like 30, 40, 50 years. And like, nah, yo, look up Elvis. This nigga was fucking teenagers, yo. Get, that, get him out of here. Get him all the way out of here. Yo, like he's dead. How much more canceled can yeah. he be? They're trying to get rid of everybody, bro. I really, you know what's really funny about this that I'm realizing? So I do the I do this is the funny style podcast, right? I do this with comics, right? I also did before I even started doing stand-up, I had a like a a, a a um a podcast with just black people where we were talking about like these types of like issues, right? I love these topics, by Yeah. And now that I have my like studio kind of set up again to do like this is a nicer setup than I've ever had to do this. And I'm going to continue to invest in this to make it even better. I'm like, I clearly need to do that like black podcast again because I really did just drag all these comedians <laughs> into like <laughs> some heavy Malcolm X shit that I didn't need to like bring well, the opposite of it. Or the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Crow ass nigga. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's, all right, all right. Bringing this, bringing this horrible shit into comedy, right? One of my favorite ways to do it. Um, you ever so you know Patrice O'Neill, obviously, yeah. he's like oh. incredible. Um, one of the things that Patrice talked about was how he got so good at one point that he would try to bury himself, like he would upset he the audience yeah. to see if he could get out yeah. of it. So I've now started to do this thing on some, like when I do a show 
that's like it's not like pineapples where you have a short period of time like where i have a bunch of time but it's also not a show i give a fuck about to where mm-hmm. like if this goes bad it's not that big a deal yeah i do this um <laughs> let's lose kevin again <laughs> i get up on stage and i just go so here's the thing guys i voted for ron DeSantis. And then I dig my way out of it. Because it always, like a black guy voted for Ron DeSantis, and they all go, (gasps) and I remember I had one white lady go, you're going to regret that decision. (laughs) (laughs) And then I just go into, like, why, like, Charlie Chris, like, cannot, like, Charlie Chris is just, like, we already have a feeble old old white-haired white man in the white house we can't have another one in the governor's office while the russians are coming like you need a angry cuban with a gun in between you and the russians we can't now's not the time and it ends up they they start to laugh yeah. and then you start to talk about like diff- and and you dig yourself out of it That's you know um yeah I don't have an opinion on politics. I don't know shit about Ron DeSantis' politics or or anybody else for that. Wait, wait, wait. So, all right. So, real quick, just on the black thing. Mm -hmm. How are you so passionately pro-black and you don't give a fuck about politics? (laughs) Politics is like how black people would actually change our conditions for real. So says white people. Oh, my God. You think I'm just going to be indoctrinated into your government system? (laughs) Not. Not, nigga. I'm all about theory, dog. You are Kevin. Kevin is way too well dressed to have these opinions. Like, if you're gonna have those opinions, you need to have like, like a leather outline of Africa on like a on a string chain. You need to not shower for a few days, and your hat needs to be dirty and facing forward. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I. Uh, my first special that I've, that I've ever wanted to do or that I ever, I'm going to do on uh, 60 Minutes is going to be called uh, Hypothetically Hypocritical. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I know what name. I am. Yeah, I, I know exactly name. what I am. I, <laughs> I am a walking contradiction. Yeah. We were talking about it earlier about me. Uh, it, it's weird that I'm cool and corny at yeah. the same time. <laughs> I understand that. Yeah. I, I'm fully aware of how corny I sound and how corny I come across. <laughs> And I'm also fully aware of all the people who look up to me and are like, oh, my God, that guy is so cool. I just yeah. want to be his friend. It, it's, a, it's a weird dichotomy to live no, I by. I say you're the Drake of our comedy scene. He's, <laughs> he's corny but cool somehow. I don't know how he does it. Drake if is I, my favorite rapper. If I, I said the shit and wore the shit he said, they would throw me out in a dumpster like – I'm white enough to where I have to wear black and like <laughs> and say some angry shit to white people to keep comics from realizing that I'm from the suburbs. But Kevin can just embrace it. It's because we believe in ourselves, man. Yeah. We're, we're cut from a different cloth. I, I, I was telling you, it, it's Drake, it's Joe Budden, it's Nick Cannon, uh, it's uh, Michael B. Jordan. There's yeah. a bunch of cool but corny niggas out yeah. there. <laughs> and all you got to do is just believe in yourself. Yeah. Confidence is key. Confidence is key. (laughs) So, Anthony, (laughs) um, (laughs) how do you feel about uh, Aziz Ansari being canceled by this white woman and how dare she? Oh, that's that's old news. I know. I was just trying to bring it back to something. That's all right. I feel like I'm just here listening to a black podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I really really don't know how it got to that point. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring that podcast back after tonight. I realize I need to just go ahead and do that. I would love to be your first I would guest. Absolutely, have you on that? Because so, <laughs> so a buddy of mine who's a who's a black lawyer. Um, he, uh, um, he's one of the main people that I did that other podcast with, and it's, it's a lot of fun just because he has his very, he's like a community activist. He does a lot of work here in the community, 
strong takes. Yeah. Strong and strong takes like very because, again, he's a lawyer. So he has all this in-depth knowledge about how this. I mean, I remember we had conversations about like how um, <laughs> how uh, like people would get into fights at um, like fast food restaurants. So you know how the Internet's full of all these videos of like black people fist fighting with people in like a fast food restaurant. Yeah. And he would have like a very serious lawyers, community activist take on it. And then I would come in with like worst case scenario, <laughs> they got you for twelve dollars, my nigga. Like you are destroying the thing, flipping over the McFlurry machine and going to jail over twelve fucking dollars. There has to be a better set of decisions we can make as yeah. black people, right? Yeah. Um, so that's a lot of fun. And you'd be a great guest to have on that. So we're definitely going to do that at some point. I'd love that. Um, does anybody have anything else they want to talk about? I completely turned this. I'm so sorry. I've turned this into a wild black conversation. It was a good experience. I'm glad I... Uh... I learned a lot. I got Anthony's, a lot of names to look up when I get home. And then, and, uh, and then he's like, <laughs> Anthony feel like he's been watching BT, like, like, like BT Live. Like, you can't put two niggas anywhere without them fighting. <laughs> Here's one thing I actually want to talk about. Um, so you and Jari, I saw you guys did this really cool, like really high production value skits that I started to see. Yeah. Uh, what's it called? It's Orange uh, Orange Avenue. Orange Avenue. So they had already had a thing that they were doing uh, mm-hmm. on Orange Ave podcast, uh, and I wasn't really doing comedy at that point, but mm-hmm. I was friends with all of them. I knew them yeah. from back in the day in comedy, and I was like envious. So I was like, oh, I want to do that. I want to be a part of that. Yeah. Um, and then it just so happened I just started getting all this clout online, and they reached out to me. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh shit, we need you on. Uh, we're, we're bringing it back, and I was like, yes, this is what I always wanted. You know what's funny about that is like, you don't. I, I always I don't want to be the guy that reaches out to somebody once they get like clout that I didn't reach out to that much before. <laughs> but at the same time, when you brought him on this podcast. yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Great timing, great timing. I'm like, mm, now we got to make sure Kevin comes on. <laughs> but you did it early enough where it's like I don't have like the bag attached. So yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's I, just yeah, cool. It's shit. cool to see somebody you know um, build. <laughs> But so <laughs> here's one of the things that I think that that we can do as a local scene that I'm starting to see people tap into. But I think there's so there's a crazy stratosphere that everybody could get into. What I want to do locally for Melbourne um, is create a YouTube channel where as everyone creates skits, I want to have like a Melbourne stand up YouTube channel where everyone can post their stuff to. So that the actual scene builds its own sort of following. following exactly. Because cool. something as simple as like that Orange Ave thing that you guys are doing. We do taxes. You do taxes. Yeah. <laughs> so let's say, uh, not let's say, but let's say you continue to build and you get to 150,000 followers, right? Because you are a part of that thing that thing is going to get some of your followers. And then the other people that are a part of that thing will then absorb a portion of those followers. Yeah. So one of the ways that I think everyone, you know, everyone's sort of siloed into their own thing, but I think by everyone connecting to each other like a spider web, <laughs> I think it actually benefits everyone because everyone's yeah. fans is going to connect to yeah. each other's thing and I think people are scared to do that because everybody kind of wants to shine to themselves because yeah. as comics we're all very selfish Yeah, but I think if we learn better to, to use those things because I think like 
the I don't even know what you guys are doing, but the production value of the stuff that you guys are doing. Oh, you guys can make movies. Yeah. Without a doubt, if the time was taken <laughs> to sit down and do the work, there's no reason why you guys couldn't create movies. Yeah. You know? Um what we were me and Ash were talking about when we were just at Moon Room. I want to do a comedian's version of The Office. Oh yeah. That'd be cool. Where like while the other comic is on stage, like literally while they're on stage telling their jokes, we're doing those confessionals yeah. with the other comics going, I don't know, man. Anthony <laughs> seems to think this new like asshole bit is hilarious, <laughs> but we'll see how it goes. He's, got, he's going into it now. Let's see. Like, and, and it's all just everybody. Cause everybody, that's what everybody does. Anyway, we sit in the back yeah. room and shit on whoever's on stage, yeah. like half and half. Like it's, we, even if we love you, we're making fun of your shit. Right. So I think it would be so cool because, no, again, no comedy scene is doing it, and it's the kind of thing where we use our real names. So if it becomes popular on the internet, people literally know you from this thing that we created. Yeah. You know? That's dope. Um, and I think it would be so cool because even stuff like there's so many things that are missed. We're all in cars with multiple comics in the car riding to gigs. Like how hilarious would it be to record it? To record some of that. And then clip that together with, again, like confessionals where we're talking about each other and add in some clips of us actually on stage performing. So you get the funniness of just the random crazy shit that gets said in the car. Right. You could even have clips of us in this studio with me preemptively getting canceled before my career ever starts (laughs) by saying a wild shit about the black community. And then clips of people on stage and then confessionals. Of com- like, I just think that, again, with the production quality that you guys are doing it, I just think that that would be something that I mean, you think about Insecure was just a web series that yeah. Issa Rae just made and threw out there. And in a couple of years, boom. Yeah, that's so true. You know, and I think that we're not. I just think I think we <laughs> I think we need to elevate where we're thinking about what we can do. Because I think all of the elements are there. Yeah, we have enough talent, and there's enough people. There's quality, and everybody's good at something different too. Yeah, I, I like talking to the comics on the scene because there's one guy who's a videographer, there's an editor, there's a guy who wants to be in front of the camera, there's a guy who doesn't want to ever be in front of the camera. Yeah, and it's weird. It's interesting talking to comedians because you you meet people that have all of these different careers and shit. It's like, mm-hmm. oh my god, you you do what in the daytime when you don't do? Ca- you're, yeah, you're a dental hygienist. You're you're a fucking engineer. What are, exactly? Mm-hmm. It's crazy. So you just have all these like unique perspectives, and then we all come and tell dick jokes for five <laughs> minutes at a time. Like one of the things that I want to do, um, and selfishly, I I just like giving ideas out because nobody's gonna do it, but. Um, <laughs> What another thing I want to do is I want to start a company. So what, from because again this is my family's business. One of the things that they do, a lot of comics don't realize this, dude. Companies that are creating videos for businesses are charging them out the ass to yeah. create commercials. These shitty local commercials that you see on television, those companies are paying thousands as as bad as those commercials exactly. <laughs> And I'm like, we have a <laughs> we have a wealth of stand up comics and writers and people with 
video equipment and editing skills. Shout out to my new commercial coming out tomorrow. I'm getting in the back. I'm letting y'all know here first on this podcast, I am selling out, bro. (laughs) People have been reaching out to me, asking me for promo, and I'm taking every opportunity. Anybody who's got a dollar sign attached to it. absolutely should. I'm doing, bro, I kid you not, I got a commercial coming out on my Instagram tomorrow. When y'all see it, just look at, just shake your head at the phone like this sellout ass nigga. (laughs) (laughs) But for real, I mean, if, if, if a, if a restaurant, I mean, think about because I so we did this, and I, I can even show you guys some of this at some point. I had Dorian Gale do like Bernie Mac selling health insurance over the phone. <laughs> I had him do Chris Rock doing health insurance stuff. I had him doing Gilbert Godfrey, and I have a bunch of those videos, and they're on my computer, and I've used them for our business in different ways. That's cool, right? But think about if if a restaurant in Orlando wanted to do a commercial, and you say, hey. We're the, you know, Central Florida comedy, whatever. We make funny commercials and sketches and stuff for small businesses. And they came and we grabbed Ash Cash and Kevin. And Kevin, the dating in Orlando guy, is on a date with a girl from Orlando. And they're both comedians. And then some of us write in some funny shit. And then the production value is the value of to the level of what you guys were doing. Yeah. We charge them five grand to do that. Yeah. And split that money around. And instead of running around begging some shitty bar to give us $40 <laughs> to all drive out there and bust our ass. Yeah. You know, five people are working on a project. You charge them five grand. You split the five grand five ways. Everybody makes a grand. And, and the other thing that people don't realize is a company would charge five grand for that and then take two weeks to complete the project. Yeah. Because of what we do and how much we do this, you could charge them five grand for that and get the job done in three days. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that there's so much that we could be doing as a collective if we start to take the business side of it seriously. Because one of the things that I'm noticing is just financially, man, comics are suffering. Yeah. You know, and one of the things that I'm realizing from doing this podcast that I didn't understand when Frankie Paul was in here and Frankie Paul is the headliner that. And again, this is why these conversations with these old school comics is so important. Yeah. Frankie Paul told me that all of these clubs, what they pay now is what they paid in 1985. Yeah. He was like, it has not adjusted and they have no intention of adjusting it. He was like, back when I started, I would go out to a club and make 75, 100 bucks, sometimes as much as 150 for a feature set. $150 in a night in 1985 is way different than $150 in a night is now, you know? So one of the things that I, I, I want us to be able to do is figure out a way to use all these skills that we have to put our, to put ourselves in a position to where we're not we're just not in that position anymore yeah. where people are squabbling over $50 gigs. Like, you know how many comics are, are gatekeeping a $50 fucking yeah, open mic thing? It's just pathetic, yeah. you know? So there's so much more that we could be doing. You know what I mean? I think, you know, I think for comedians, poverty is a choice. I'm saying it. I'm saying it. I'm saying it. <laughs> this is why you get paid the big bucks. It's full circle. <laughs> um, does anybody have anything they want to plug that they have coming up in the near future at all? 
Shout out to Milk District. I'll be out there Thursday. I'll um, be there Thursday as yeah, well with Kevin, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, come check me out at MegaCon. I'll be at MegaCon uh, the 30th through the through April. You're going to be performing? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'll be performing in the Geeks of Comedy uh, show. And we just found out we're in the main room um, this year for the first time ever. So this is like a really big deal for comics to be able to perform in front of the, the biggest audience that MegaCon has. That's awesome. That's going to be humongous. Anthony Ashcash? Anthony? Uh, I'm hosting Milk District on Saturday. Oh yeah, I'm hosting Milk District on Saturday. <laughs> you know what's funny? We used, to have one, we used to have one microphone, and Ash Cash would just be off in the distance, like barely whispering. We have individual microphones that you can speak into now, and she still sits far away from it and just whispers <laughs> stuff. So what were you saying? Uh, I'm hosting Mill District on Saturday. And okay, I'm also hosting. on the Geeks of Comedy at MegaCon. Oh, that's really yeah. cool, man! I got to talk to you guys about how you get on that. I got some shows, man. I don't even remember the name. I'm doing something in St. Pete on the 31st. Okay. I got to figure it out. I don't have it. I should have been more prepared. All right. Yeah, this but, is great. Uh, yeah, you're killing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll take his time. Uh, also, follow me on Instagram and TikTok, <laughs> Mr407Kevin. <laughs> blowing up. Get your dating advice out there. And um, yeah, watch out for my new tax video coming out tomorrow. I uh, I sell taxes now. So I do I did tax I sell com- taxes now. I, like- no, I do tax commercials now. Sorry. I'm a nigga. I don't really know what taxes are for sure. <laughs> Um, I let's see. Oh, please, as always, listen to my album, The Sixty Forty Rules. Um, it's on Spotify, Apple Music, all the major platforms. Um, definitely subscribe to this podcast because we're again continuing to work on um, just making this podcast better and better and being a resource for comics. Um, also, I'm going to be at Milt District on Thursday, and then next weekend I got two gigs. I'm going to be in Panama City. Um, so if you're anywhere near that area, definitely let me know so we can get you some tickets to those shows in Panama City. Um, other than that, this has been the Funny Style Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Also, you can actually like comment on the podcast. So if you guys have any comments, definitely let me know. Let me know about the audio because I'm working to make this better. I'm hoping that you notice that this gets better every time because I keep working on it. Thank you guys for listening. Good night.